Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Beyond the FM dial, we're available streaming audio worldwide to the masses at RadioNorthland.org. And you can also, uh, on our front page, click on uh, Rasslin Memories uh, Then and Now page uh, and you can listen to this episode as well, you know, in the archives. It's an easy way to uh, get to us. And yes, we are back with a new episode, but for, uh, I guess, all all the, 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 the right, wrong reasons. I don't know. I, I think this whole thing uh, that's been going on around the world and now in our, our country with the COVID-19 coronavirus and the pandemic has really just uh, been this weird, odd reestablishment or just establishment of a new normal. And we're all just trying to adjust. We're all just trying to uh, find out what moves are going to be happening next. All trying to keep our heads. And even the pro wrestling business, of course, like everything in the entertainment business, just in life in general, has been impacted by this uh this uh, it's story still in progress as of this recording, this uh, the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my co-host down there deep in the heart of Texas. I'm from Minnesota. He's down there in Texas doing his thing. Uh, the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, w- welcome back to, to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. And yes, uh, we were talking about just about this off mic. Uh, about how our jobs are, are still very much uh, up and running here during th- this uh, pandemic. Yes, I'm, my, my job is considered an essential uh, a job at this point in time. So there, there's no shutdown for me. I'm kind of just right in the middle of the, the chaos. And it is a little bit of chaos. Like you said, it's, we're establishing the new norm. And you know you don't know from one day to the next what's going to happen or what the president's going to announce. And it's an interesting situation, man. But, you know, I wanted to get back on the air and, you know, sit down and talk with you and our guests today and not just talk about what's going on out in the wrestling world based off this, you know, pandemic and everything, but just to kind of give people something to listen to, something to entertain them a little bit, maybe take their minds off of, you know, everything, just kind of listen to something else or every, you know, a break. It gives the fans a break for a minute. And then just enjoy something, you know, some new material, something to listen to. I know I've been enjoying all the podcasts because, you know, they're still able to do that. So in my world, the norm is still kind of what I've been used to other than, you know, work-wise. But, you know, it's a chance to come back, you know, a little bit different for wrestling memories. This isn't really memories. It's more current events. You know, I'm glad to be back, and I hope the listeners, uh, you know, enjoy what we've got for them today. Oh, yeah, and it's just cool to have, be able to come back and, and chat. I mean, albeit these circumstances, very, very interesting and very, very unknown uh, as far as where the future lies with that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you talked about your job being still very much an essential thing, uh, going essential occupation. Uh, that's sort of, sort of my situation. Uh, no, not just with the, the radio. The radio is a small part of my, my, my life. My other job that I work is definitely uh, we are still uh, up and running and in the midst of, uh, you know, working our way through this and for now i'm working still my full week so yeah it's in and i work with a lot of people so again i get a term that we've been really getting familiarized with social distancing it's not really all that possible for me right now at the moment and i know you can feel me on that too at your occupation oh no social distancing is not uh, not possible where i'm at because people just walk right up to me so and i'm kind of tired of the term social distancing it's it's like that's one of the parts of the new norm that I'm just not a fan of that and shelter in place. You know, it brings me up like George Carlin, you know, routines where he might give us a better definition of those terms. 
Yeah, those are the buzzwords, I guess, with anything. Uh, and you know, we're going to probably look back on this, and when uh, we we uh, have, you know have our little recaps. Are I love the twenty twenties. We could we could talk about this uh, on an episode of that because, yeah, with anything, of course, there's always going to be those things that we'll forever remember. It'll be right up there with Billy Beer for for God's sake. But anyway, we are going to talk about you know not only uh, dealing with it uh, on with our own personal stories, but we're going to talk about just what pro wrestling has really had to do the ultimate audible they've had to pull here uh, since uh, the outbreak and, and since more rules have been enforced and you know you know again with the, you know basically you you can't have a, a big arena full of people these days no it, it's not possible it's 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 uh, all due to this 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 pandemic and and we've kind of started to get used to and I you know for, for however long this is going to be Part of the new normal experience, I guess, is empty arena show, television shows from major companies. Mike, uh, th- this is a lot to open up, and I want you to introduce our guest, too. We don't want to leave him in the lurch too long. We're about five minutes in. I think it's time we got to get him into the conversation. But uh, definitely, empty arena television programs from big, multi-million, billion-dollar corporations, uh, billion-dollar companies. Uh, it's very interesting. It's interesting. Um, some of it's a little hard to watch. I've, I've been watching, but you know, some of it's a little difficult. It's a really weird kind of dynamic to try to adjust to, unfortunately. So, Mike, I'm going to have you introduce our guest. Uh, again, he's been on a, a few times here uh, in the last couple of years. It's nice to have him back on. I'm going to let you introduce my friend. You know, I'm, I'm glad to have our guest back on again. Like you said, we had him on one, to talk about, you know, his career in the ring, but we've also brought him on to give his perspective on current situations in the wrestling scene, and this is definitely one of those. Uh, he's a wrestler, booker, promoter. I'm glad to have him back on. I believe this is his third time on our program, and that is none other than the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Greg, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Rocking and rolling. Well, unfortunately, at this point, that's probably the best we can do is just to kind of keep, you know, doing what we're doing and, you know, face each day as it comes. But, you know, I want to kind of dive just right into the topic because, you know, it's kind of, it's in the news, obviously. Um, And that's the effect of COVID-19 and this pandemic and the effect it's having on professional wrestling. We've all seen it. The NBC has really gotten hit because, unfortunately, I don't think there's any indie programs that are even able to run at this point in time, but, you know, just to kind of get the ball rolling, I mean, you know, what's your kind of, you know, take on this situation? Cause you know, you're like right in the heart of it. Uh, yeah. And, um, the thing is, you know, actually pro wrestling in the South, we we're still running as of right now. Um, really? no local official, no local official or anybody like that has actually came to us and, and asked us to shut down or anything like that. Um, obviously, we're taking the necessary precautions. You know, every, there's hand sanitizer. We're asking people if they have, you know, any kind of symptoms, if they have, you know, a uh, fever or cough or anything like that, to please self-quarantine themselves. If they have a weak immune system, then please don't come, you know, that kind of thing. But um, as for us, you know, it's kind of business usual. We actually had a, a show last night. It was actually a... A celebration of life, uh, Mr. J.C. White, who, who who owns our building in Ripley, Tennessee, had passed away this week, and um, he was a huge supporter of all of us and wrestling fans. And we we had a we had a packed house for, for to to pay tribute to him. Um, I know everyone's kind of going nuts 
uh, over the coronavirus and, and things like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a stupid man by any means. And I, I do extensive research when things are up in the air like this. And, you know, I, I've been looking at flu stats and things like that for the last week. And, um, the best I can tell, you know, the coronavirus is nothing more than a flu. Um, actually it's not even it's not even as dangerous as the normal flu the, the normal flu has had 19 million cases this year and uh, over 10,000 deaths you know and here we are with the coronavirus who has i think it was at 15,000 this morning and about 200 deaths um obviously people are going to point, point to the fatality rate of that they're going to say well that's a 1.3 fatality rate and that is high, obviously, for a uh, for a disease to have that high of a fatality rate. But a lot of people haven't been tested. A lot of people aren't getting tested like they're supposed to. That's where it's really easy to test for the normal flu. Obviously, there's a different test for this coronavirus. And um, I earlier in the week, the fatality rate was actually closer to 1.7. And now it's 1.3 um, because more people are getting tested. And I, I think that's going to be the way it is. The, the more people we test, the, I, that mortality rate is going to go down. So, obviously, it's, it's put a huge monkey wrench in professional wrestling. <laughs> you know, but um, I, you can call me a conspiracy theorist. You can call me whatever you want. But, you know, as, as a guy that's been wrestling for 20 years, I, I tend to look at the world um, a little differently. You know, I, you know, don't work a worker, I guess, is the best, is the best way to say it. I, I just feel that... <laughs> A lot of this stuff is really overhyped, and um, obviously we feel for people that have weakened immune systems and the elderly and things like that, um, but to, to make everyone in the world pretty much scared to go out of their houses is, um, is, a, is a hard pill to swallow. Now, you're still running. I, I didn't realize that. Now, I mean, I think that's a great thing. Unfortunately, here in Texas, we're – just everything just shut down. We're not allowed more than, you know, I think now it's 30 people. I don't think you can have a gathering of more than like 30 people in a building. Um, I think that's a little extreme in my opinion. Like you said, you know, there are measures you can take. You're obviously taking these measures. You said that, you know, you've got the hand sanitizer. I know some groups that are still running in other areas that they actually taking people to have a way to take someone's temperature at the door. And if you have a temperature, they're sending you back. Right. You know, do you see this as kind of the way wrestling's going to be for a while, or you know, is this all going to settle down just you know sooner than we think? I, I personally think it's going to settle down some. You know, I mean, um, like I said, I, I just think that they're they're the government's kind of flexing their muscle. They're showing how easy it is to kind of shut down the world <laughs> if they want to. You know, what I mean. Um, if you do, if you do just a little bit of research, and all I did was I went to the CDC's website, <laughs> you know, and got all the and got information. You know, last last year there was 35 million people that had um, the flu, and you know that resulted in 34,000 deaths. And you know, it, it the, when you start putting the numbers together, you start seeing kind of a trend. I mean, the coronavirus obviously has got everyone up in arms, and maybe it is a quote unquote different strain, as they say. But, um, you know, I'm just not seeing, you know, I don't personally know anyone that's tested positive. And I've got friends, you know, all over the world because of professional wrestling. You know, I don't personally know anyone, you know. And even if they do test positive, then is, is it 
a severe case. You know, I mean, like, I think Doctor, if you did, you guys see the Doctor Drew interview where they where they first asked him about it a couple of weeks ago, and he went ballistic on air. You know, the, yeah, he basically yeah, he ripped on social media and the news. Yeah, I mean, he, he said it's you know the media is just blowing this way out of proportion and. And he made a very good case of the fact that, you know, even if it was a pandemic, we wouldn't be able to tell if it was a pandemic because everyone's up in arms about it. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're actually messing with the raw data of it, you know, by blowing it so out of proportion. Well, I was making a comment last night. I was talking to my wife about this. And people are, even the news media, they're bringing up the point that, you know, more cases of people testing positive are coming out, but that's just because it's really in the fact of is they're testing more people. You know, if you've got a thousand people and you've only tested a hundred, obviously when you tested other 900, there's going to be more cases. And it just kind of seems like they're working. Well, they're working those numbers. It's kind of a wrestling type of thing. You know, they're working the numbers a little bit and it's making it look more than what it is. Cause obviously they're testing more people. Once you test more people, more, you know, positive cases are going to come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, and this is something you can have and, and not even know you have. I mean, they're, they're, from what they're saying, you know, you could have no symptoms at all and still test positive for it and be perfectly fine. And that's kind of what's going on. I mean, how many people, like, you know, we all get the flu. We all get sick. I mean, if you look at these symptoms, they're, you know, cough and a runny nose. I mean, who doesn't have those? You know what I mean? I know people that have those from pretty much from, from April to, you know, well, April on, really. I mean, but they're called allergies, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's just wrestling wise, it, it hurts. You know, I'm like you said, I'm a wrestler, I'm a promoter, I'm a booker, and that's all I do. I don't, I don't have a day job, you know. So, um, I and that's kind of been my my um, my soapbox over the last five or six years or so is that when you do this for a living. And your your money depends on, you know, excuse my language, an ass every eighteen inches. Then your perspective on professional wrestling changes, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like all these guys that are talking about, oh man, I don't have a show this weekend, blah blah blah. You know, well, they don't really care because they have day jobs. They'd be a lot more adamant about stuff if if it was their sole source of income. You know, and um, and that's kind of where I'm at, like. We need to run shows to make money to pay bills. You understand? And I'm not. I'm not saying I'm going to put the health of you know my um, my fans at risk because of that. But I'm looking at it realistically too. Like I, I don't see. I don't see it any worse than the flu that we've had before. So you know, and I just think people are just going crazy. And actually, it's kind of weird. In the last couple of weeks, we've actually our crowds have been up. Because people, I guess, are so bored, or maybe they're like me. They don't believe everything that's being said, said by the talking heads. You know, but either way, we've actually been up in our, in our attendance. Well, no, that's a, a good point, you know, uh, <clears throat> as far as TV-wise goes, and, of course, you know, the indie shows that are still running. You know, is this an escape still for, you know, the fans? Like you said, you know, and I said at the beginning of the show, a chance to, you know, take your mind off of what's just kind of going on every day. It's an escape. It's a chance for them to go out and something they enjoy to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Netflix has been blowing up, you know, the last couple of weeks with all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I feel that professional wrestling can be that escape, you know, and, and when you've got, you know, obviously a, a publicly traded company like the WWE, you know, they can't, with everything going on, they can't have fans at their show. <laughs> you know, they, they have a board of directors that, you know, have to decide on stuff like this. And, you know, they're, they're running empty arenas and so is AEW. Um, so, and that's, I mean, it's, like you said, it's, it's a very odd time in professional wrestling. Obviously we've never seen anything like this before. Um, and it's very historic in that sense. It's just, uh, the thing we'll go back to wrestling psychology. Um, the thing that's interesting is that the things that I've been preaching about for years now is characters and promos and enthralling stories and things like that. That is exactly what they have to rely on now because the in-ring product, as athletic as they are, if people aren't wowing to it live and in living color, it's not as spectacular, is it? So they have to do things like what Edge did, which was look directly in the camera and cut a heartfelt promo. And that's exactly what he did. And I think that was, you know, that was a home run in my opinion, you know, and that's, that's what you're going to have to, you're going to have to lean on that kind of stuff because guess what? That's what professional wrestling was built on for over a hundred years. And all these guys that are trying to reinvent the wheel, they're, they're realizing, I, I hope that they're realizing, I'm not going to say that they are. I hope that they're realizing exactly how important all the things that me and Jim Cornette and all of us dinosaurs, as they say, I've been preaching about over the years. So do you think that this eventually could become maybe like a learning experience for, you know, up and coming wrestlers and the indie guys that maybe they're getting a chance to kind of see how important the promo is or maybe get examples of it. Do you see maybe this might be in a weird way, a learning experience? I, I mean, I hope so. I, I think everything's a learning experience. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just kind of the way I've always looked at it. You know, there's, there's things that have, that have happened that I've never seen before in my life, you know, every week in wrestling, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like one of my trainees the other day, he, uh, we were doing chain wrestling. He rolled through something and ended up in a uh, drop toe hole. And I never seen it done that way in my entire life. So, I mean, you can learn from just about anything. Um, my, my, I hope that they're learning and I, uh, I just hope that they're paying attention. You know what I mean? A lot of them are, you know, like I said, they're just on the internet griping about not getting to wrestle, you know? Um, and I, I think it's really coming from more of a place of a spoiled brat kind of place. You know what I mean? That's where when uh, guys that do it for a living are actually, you know, are upset because of, of the financial ramifications or what it's actually doing to professional wrestling itself. But I hope that they take this opportunity to realize – hey, you can still entertain, you know what I mean? Like, I tell I told one of my guys not long ago, you know, a real worker is somebody that you can give pretty much any parameters to, and they still make it work. You understand? That's, that's a real worker. So, and I've had guys that are very um, athletically gifted, that can do just about anything you want to do, and I've walked up to them and said, okay, in this match, you can only do three strikes, 
and uh, they completely fall apart. You know what I mean? Because they don't know how to work within that parameter. So this is just obviously a huge parameter, but still a parameter. And um, I hope that they're taking that uh, as an opportunity, like you said, to learn. I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn, and I'm I'm sure he's got a few questions about this current situation and kind of just how it affects as far as television goes. Thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing me into the conversation, Mike. Yes, uh, Greg, we're going to chat. I want to chat a little bit about the, uh, the, the the television product itself here uh, in, in, in the wake of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, from a viewer standpoint, I mean, I, I'm a fan. I'm not in no way in the business. Uh, I'm a guy who hosts a, a wrestling show. So I, I'm more, I am a fan, 100%, been, been that since the early 1980s. So what I, I'm watching is, you know, again, with this, the way they're, ha- the handling of, of these empty arena empty building shows uh, for the WWE and AEW uh, very very different elements uh, were, were put into play by by both and uh, I, I guess comparing them it, I mean you can you can make a, a definite comparison but uh, the WWE uh, you know I, I, I was why I've watched the last couple of Smackdowns there's been some good stuff I mean in the Raws and the Smackdowns I mean the promos were great I mean the Edge promo was 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 solid uh, the Bray Wyatt stuff I, I found to be entertaining too but uh, I guess for the other stuff, it's just, you know, trying to, to I guess, engage and, and try to emote in a wrestling ring is not always an easy uh, thing to do, especially uh, when, when you're playing to an empty performance center. But I, I, they did what they could, and I thought it was, was good. I, I saw a lot of people online uh, praising how great it was that they're doing this. I mean, awesome that they're keeping the show on, but I don't think it should be considered anywhere near great. It was getting by uh, when they could. But I I want to say WWE, what they did, compared to what the AEW uh, did on Dynamite the other night, just two different things because what I got out of the AEW thing, I, I, I still had a little bit more excitement for the product. I still felt more of a connection to the matches. And, and for some times, I didn't really even think about the crowd. I was just more, in, I was actually into what was going on and what they were doing with the match structure and also with some of the stuff, you know, with the reveals with Brody Lee and the Dark Order and Matt Hardy. And uh, also something I want to talk about too was the, the vignette with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. So definitely some very different things that were going on uh, as far as the presentation with WWE and AEW. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and, and like I said, it's um, it's not in any way the most ideal situation. They're just being trying to do the best of what they have, and they're completely in uncharted territory for this to produce. And they're under, you know, obviously they're under contractual obligations to produce, you know, that many hours of content for the uh, for the stations. So they're kind of backed into a corner. I mean, what are they going to do? They can't just run best of stuff. I mean, um, they have to continue some storylines in case this thing, you know, we come out of this thing pretty soon and they need to get back on track. So, um, like you said, WWE, you know, the first SmackDown that they did with with no crowd was brutal. I mean, brutal. And the thing that, that killed me about it was them – talking to a crowd that wasn't there or trying to play to a crowd that wasn't there. You know what I mean? Uh, it obviously, it just comes off phony and ridiculous. Like there's no one there. Why, why are you directing your promo to no one that's there? Right. Um, and the people felt that, you know, and they kind of made some adjustments over the last couple of weeks. And now they're talking to the camera, which is what I thought they were going to do originally. And that's what John Cena did, and that's what you know Edge did, and that's what all the guys are doing. They're playing to the camera because the camera right now is the is the entirety of the audience, right? 
um, AEW, they did, um, I you know people know that I'm very critical of AEW in most parts, but they did one of the smarter things and they put the heels out there on one side and they put the baby faces on the other side. So there was some interaction. There was some kind of reaction to everything. Right. And that was, that was pretty smart. Cause it's still, like you said, it still gave it some kind of energy. Oh, 100%. And, um, 100% yeah. Yeah. And with, and like you said, with the reveals and things like that, they go, they went ahead and well, we don't have a crowd. So let's, let's give them these surprises. You know, let's go ahead and load them up with that. I think, um, you know, Brody Lee, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Brody Lee. I think he's, you know, he could be, I thought he could have been a main event guy in WWE. Um, I'm not a fan of his, uh, his new entrance attire or his ring gear. Um, but that's minuscule compared to the man's talent. <laughs> so I'll let that slide. Um, well, the funny thing is, you know, people are you know talking about how great his promo was and, uh, you know, I, I heard him cut. There was there were a few times in the in the Wyatt family that he actually did talk and cut promos, and he actually delivered there too. So, and then of course his his uh, his great line about you know Christopher Daniels being an old man, and he's not the first out of touch old man to uh, to yes. not believe in him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which was a direct shot at Vince McMahon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, which was that that that's great promo stuff. You understand, like. The, the art of, of a promo is to say things that someone will get, but not saying it outright. You know what I mean? That promo, if anyone that didn't know the backstory heard that promo, they would think he was just talking about Christopher Daniels and it worked, right? Mm-hmm. But the people that do know know that hey, that, was, that was a double entendre, I guess, towards Vince. So, um, and then Matt Hardy, I, I you know, the thing I'm curious about with the Matt Hardy thing is I guess Matt Hardy had some super special contract where he didn't have a 90-day no-compete clause, which is really odd to me. Does anyone else find that odd? Yeah, God, when, when that happened, I was I was kind of thinking, you know, his his date, his final day with the WWE was coming up. I, I was honestly, I thought, yeah, again, it would be the same usual route of the 90-day non-compete. But, yeah, he must have definitely... Uh, had a great deal signed up because he was he was there you know on Wednesday night and that definitely has to be something to look be looked into I have to say I agree with you man yeah I'm, I'm glad he's there you know you know because um you know I've worked with Matt Hardy before and he you know he's always treated me very very professionally and like one of the boys and things like that so I wish him the best I, I hope that you know we don't get into the you know, the teleportation and just the overall silliness, in my opinion, of the deletion thing. You know, I still want it based in reality as much as we can. But, you know, if, he, if he's going to be broken that hardy or um, that kind of thing, then I hope it's uh, at least uh, worked within the conflict. Because, you know, AW is supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be the, you know, the reality of, of professional wrestling. They have, you know, win-loss records and things like that. But do you think? So, but do you think that uh, right now, with 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 uh, with wrestling being slowed down by by the pandemic, would be a good time to maybe do some of the promos and stuff to to uh, record some of these vignettes with with Matt, maybe out at Matt's residence out the, in North Carolina, just because it's a good way to to, to uh, fill up a program and actually uh, build some some. Because uh, I hear he's doing a variation of, of the broken character. It's a different chapter, but it's still kind of a lot of the same qualities. But do you think that would be a smarter route, just for the sake of? Uh, filling out a two-hour show each week? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything you can fill with someone looking directly in the camera and talking to you, 
you know what I mean? It's going to, it's going to be more than anything else. You know, when we did traditional championship wrestling, um, you know, we were in, you know, 70 million homes, you know, and I, I told the powers to be, I said, I would much rather have a two minute promo than a 20 minute match because I can do more in that two, that two minute promo than most people can. And you can give that 20 minute match to someone else that needs it, you know? So the being, the ability to talk and convey and, uh, you know, communicate who you are, what you are and what you want in professional wrestling with a microphone and a camera is one of the greatest arts <laughs> in, in our business. And, um, the more times you get to do that, the better it is for you. So, yes, the the more um, vignettes and the more uh, promos and the more you know whatever they can do to kind of um, not have to go in ring with no crowd. <laughs> you know, the more times they can do that, the better for their product. Yeah, and the thing is too. I mean, there's so many things and so many people that that uh, you know have signed up with AEW here since uh, it's launched that may have more of a presence, more well-known in the wrestling community. But as far as some of the more mainstream fans, young and old alike, it's a sort of a getting to know process. So this is something that works very much to their advantage, especially with the guys in the AEW and another guy uh, that made his debut here just a couple of weeks ago, but has been, they've been showing a lot more of him here in the last two weeks has been Lance Archer. Now this is a guy that's very well known in the Independence and in Japan, he's a, 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 one of those guys that's been under the radar that really hasn't had a chance to really fully bloom on a main main stage here in the United States. But now him with the uh, coupling with him and Jake the Snake Roberts, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, there was a, a vignette that aired on Wednesday featuring those two, and also uh, that got a little blowback from Braun Strowman online. So, what do you think of uh, initially here with Lance Archer and the possibilities of having him with? Jake Roberts and what that could mean for his future in AEW. Um, well, once again, you know, like I said, I've been critical of AEW, but this is something that I believe that they did right. You know, this is this is professional wrestling one on one, booking one on one. You've got a guy that's a an amazing talent, someone that's a hawk, like Lance Archer, but his promos are okay. They're not they're not earth shattering. They're not the kind of promos that are gonna necessarily talk someone into a building. So what do you do? You take that guy and you put him with someone that you put him with one of the greatest talkers there ever was, <laughs> and you put Jake Roberts with him. So I mean that is that is smart business. I mean you you know you want someone to to build, you know Reliance Archer and enhance him in any way, and um, you know you put Jake Roberts with him, and you know Lance was actually uh, talking about the wrestling. Lance was a heavyweight champion, you know, and the and the and the picture online that they're using of. Um, you know, Lance Archer and, and Jake Roberts together is actually them from TCW with Lance with the TCW heavyweight title. You know, and all the news articles they're doing with, you know, oh, Jake Roberts and Lance Archer together. So um, it's it's fun to see that because, you know, Lance is, you know, Lance is, um, you know, down in Texas and things like that has really um, tore the world up and over in Japan. And now he's got this murder Hawk thing. And, you know, that's, that's great. You know, I, I wish him all the best too. I mean, I really hope it takes off. You know, I don't see how it can't with his in-ring ability and Jake's mic work ability. Um, the vignette, you know, I, you know, it was different, you know what I mean? It was, it was different. And then it definitely portrayed who, who and what they were. I, to me, I got the sense of he's so, he's, he's such a badass that he can come to your, to your own backyard and, 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 and let you have it. 
You know what I mean? Like he's not scared to do that. That's kind of the sense I got from it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not aware of the, I'm not aware of the Braun Strowman uh, blowback. What happened with that? Yeah, I think he was comparing uh, what they were doing with Lance to what he has already done with the, his big man type of character. And and uh, Lance kind of, I think, fired back. But, I mean, it, of course, it's Internet. It's another way to kind of play the business. So, you know, I guess it got his attention. And, uh, I, you know, again, two guys jawing about it uh, is making for interesting, uh, you know, tweets. But it's also making for exposure for both people, I think, in the end. So it's, it's just us basically kind of them working on in a little fun way yeah everybody's everybody's ultra sensitive about stuff like that nowadays i, I don't think i don't think van vader called up braun Strowman and said hey man you're stealing my gimmick oh, you no, know what I mean? no, no. um it's just kind of the way the business goes we we take and we borrow from everyone and, ma- and make it our own you know i, I you know I, when i tagged i tagged with bobby Eaton for two years and i called him one day because i was you know kind of curious about something i said hey you know when when guys would do gimmicks and like one guy would do a gimmick and, you know, we'll say, we'll say Minneapolis because you're from Minneapolis. We'll say, you know, one guy did a gimmick in Minnesota and the one guy thought it was great and he took it to, you know, Tennessee and did it too, you know, was there any heat between those two guys? And he said, no, there, there wasn't any heat. The only heat was if they didn't acknowledge where it came from. Like if the guy from Tennessee tried to play it off, like he came up with a gimmick and he was the first one. As long as everyone knew where the gimmick came from, and then when they came together in a certain territory, they could do business together, everyone was fine. You know what I mean? There was none of this, you know, you stole my gimmick, or, hey, you know, I wear my I wear my bandana on my left wrist just like you do. That's not fair. You know, that kind of crap. Yeah, I, I, it's just, again, to me, it just seems like it's just so, so petty. But, you know, another takeaway before I hand over the mic, uh, before I give the mic back to uh, Mr. McCurdy, is uh, with AEW, you look, and, and I saw Tully Blanchard was in one of the, in the heel section on uh, this last week's Dynamite with Ty Dillinger, well, yeah, yeah, Ty Dillinger, uh, the artist formerly, I, I, I get him mixed up, uh, the former uh, Ty Dillinger, uh, but Sean Spears, Sean Spears, oh, there, in my brain, I had a little bit of a, a, a moment there, but Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard were sitting in there. You you got Tully, you have Jake Roberts, you have Arn. You guys, I mean, this company does, if they, they you know, and I, I bet a lot of this has been applied or is going to be applied. They've got some pretty good stick, uh, stick men, I mean, and, and these uh, three guys, these three Hall of Famers. I mean, to think about some of the, the, the guidance and advice they could give to some of these, not only by being their mouthpiece, but also just helping them work through a promo. I mean, there's another advantage right there of, uh, you know, utilizing some, some vets that uh, AEW has, you know, on in just these little small on-camera roles, but I mean, you got to think that they got to be pressing these guys on, you know, behind the scenes because they, it's of the expertise and the way they could cut a promo. Once again, it's it's one of those things where you hope, you know, I obviously Arn Anderson, in my opinion, you know, he, he if you listen to Arn's podcast, he kind of downplays who he was in wrestling. Like he was, he was just an okay wrestler. He was an okay this. He was an okay. Arn Anderson is one of the greatest professional wrestlers I've personally ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen – I don't think I've ever seen a bad Arn Anderson match. And I've never heard a bad Arn Anderson promo. You know what I mean? So, um, you can hope – and I say this all the time. Like, it doesn't matter how good your coaches are if the players aren't coachable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, uh, when Michael Hayes – you know, Michael Hayes cut that amazing promo on Edge – you know, years ago, like 2007, I think, or no, 2010, somewhere in there. You know, he cut that amazing promo about how, you know, 
Edge was just a, a, a whiny, spoiled baby, and he said, how many times have you ever been in the main event? You know what I mean? And, like, cut this amazing promo, and just everyone's, you know, going on and on about it. He said that he cut that promo, he got to the back, and all the guys came up, and all the young guys came up and shook his hand and told him how great it was, but they never once asked him how he did it. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's what it comes down to. You know, Arn Anderson can tell him all day long, like, how to do this and what to do, and totally Blanchard the same way. But if the kids don't want to learn and they think they can cut a good enough promo already, then it's, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Like, I love MJF. I, I love MJF. I love 85% of what MJF does. You understand? It's just that 15% that worries me right now, and I'm afraid he's going to get – because so many people are blowing him up about how great he is. I'm afraid that he's going to get stuck in the, well, I'm already great. I don't need to listen to this guy. I don't need to listen to that guy. I don't need to get better on this. I don't need to get better on that. And uh, he's 23 years old. There's no way you're 23 years old and been working, you know, what, five, six years, and, and you're, you're the best. It's just – it's impossible, you know. So um, I hope, you know, that all those guys, uh, you know, we say it all the time, mouth shut, ears open. You know, I hope that's still a thing <laughs> in AEW. I'm going to bring the, uh, Mike back into the conversation uh, for the uh, final uh, frame on wrestling memories then and now. Uh, and I know, Mike, you have plenty uh, of questions uh, for our guest today. Well, yeah, and I think it's time to kind of, you know, we've talked about empty arena on TV and all that. I think it's kind of the time to address, you know, the big elephant in the room. And that's what's coming up in two weeks with WrestleMania. Went from the Raymond James Stadium, you know, obviously – 75,000 people to now an event that's going to be held at the performance center over two nights. Once again, no crowd. Um, how do you think this is going to go based on just what you've seen as far as, you know, their television products so far? Cause this is supposed to be the grandest stage of all. And it's, it's really not now it's kind of a very small stage, but it's going to have a lot of focus on it. Cause people are going to be watching. Yeah. I mean, it's just as a wrestling fan, and that's that's at the end of the day, that's what we all are. You know, as a wrestling fan, it's just it's just a, a punch in the gut. You understand? Like, no matter how hard all those guys work, no matter how matches those, uh, no matter how great all those matches are, bell to bell, you know, is there any way to avoid the fact that when we talk about the worst WrestleManias of all time, you know, that's going to be in the conversation? You understand? Like knowing that going mm-hmm. in, like, or, you know, I mean, just because there's no crowd, just because there's no reaction, just because you're not going to have a WrestleMania moment with no reaction. You understand? It's, it's just, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, this is, you know, WWE, you know, for years, they, they wanted to be a publicly traded company. They wanted to be, you know, not professional wrestling. They wanted to be sports entertainment. They wanted to be, uh, more of a television-based, content-based company. They're trying to get away, really, from the live events. You know what I mean? They're not worried about house show numbers anymore. They're not worried about drawing this number of people. They're they're solely worried about creating digital content that they can sell for money. You understand? Um, and this is this is, in my opinion, this is their worst nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, this is everything they wanted and everything they didn't want all wrapped into one. You understand? 
Like they built their product around that basis, and now they're in a situation where they have to produce those hours of content for those television stations. They're in a predicament where they have to do this right now, or they're going to lose subscriptions, or they're going to do this, or they're going to do that. You know, there's there's so many underlying elements. You know, it's almost like they have to produce a WrestleMania, and if they have to do it with no crowd, then well, that's what we got to do. I would much rather see. You know, I don't know if it was a teaser or you know a fan booking or whatever it was, but where they moved WrestleMania to June this year, and they were going to have it at, you know, Madison Square Garden or something. You know what I mean? I love Madison Square Garden WrestleMania. So um, I would much rather see that, obviously, than a two-day empty arena, whatever, you know? Um, But, you know, once again, not our decision. (laughs) We're not billionaires, unfortunately. Um, So it's going to be interesting just to see how they do it, because, I mean... You know, it, it, it's like I said, it's unprecedented. Now, do you, I, I don't, my opinion on it is that it wasn't possible. Do you think that postponement was really going to ever be an option? Because with the unknown situation we're in, if you postpone to say June for Madison Square Garden and say things keep continuing the way they are, and come June, there's still a, you know, a ban or a limit on what kind of people, even if they've upped the limit, they said, okay, you can have say 500 people in an event or a thousand people. Obviously WrestleMania was going to have a lot more than that. So was postponement really ever an option, not knowing kind of what the future, you know, situation was going to be. Well, you got to think too, we're, you know, we're peons in this situation. This man has Donald Trump. So I'm sure he's privy to a lot more information than we are. You know, so, um, you know, I, I think that if I think that if they were going to postpone it, then they would definitely know for sure, hey, we're going to be out of this by June or we're going to at least be able to have, like you said, a fi- 500, 1,000. You know, hey, 500 is fine. 500 is, you know, NXT, you know, NXT's normal tapings are fine. And, and at least if you had those reactions for a WrestleMania type card, it would be pretty cool, right? I mean, imagine imagine that, too, if you were if you got to be one of 500 people at, the, at, that, res, at that year's WrestleMania, you know what I mean? You'd be a collector's item to yourself. <laughs> you know, and you, you talk about that. I, I thought this was kind of funny. I noticed this last night. They're producing a WrestleMania shirt that's got the WrestleMania logo on it, but now it says, I wasn't there. So, oh, yeah. obviously, WWE and the Vince McMahon you know, marketing machine, they came up with a way to market this, and I wouldn't mind having one of those because, well, one, obviously I was never going to be there, but it's kind of a a fun little gimmick now that you've got a I wasn't there shirt for an empty arena WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. That sounds, that sounds like a good yeah. idea, too. I may create that shirt myself, you know. Maybe I'll get a, a letter from WWE that I can't make money off of. Now, um, one other question here as far as the WrestleMania situation goes and I think them splitting it into two nights is probably a better option because from what I've seen, I believe it's four matches one day and four matches the next day. I don't think anybody would have sat through the traditional five or six hour WrestleMania with an empty arena. And you're talking about television content. As this keeps going, are do you see the fans like finally going, okay, I'm not going to watch this for right now because I'm just, tired of the empty arena because it doesn't give you any it doesn't have that thrill to it you don't hear the crowd reaction there's going to be no wrestlemania moments like you said and i don't see 
a lot of, I mean, they may have been decided to put the belt on Drew McIntyre. Maybe they're not going to do that now. and They're going to save it for later because you may not want to do that in front of, well, no crowd because it's not going to have that, that emphasis. You know, do you see that point where maybe people are going to start going, okay, come up with something else or it's just going to have to be, or they are going to change the product a little bit because empty arena can't go too much longer in my opinion. It has to become, it has to be so hard hitting. It has to be so realistic that it comes through the television screen. You understand? Like if you're doing something with, and the same thing, it's same, it's same thing here when, you know, we, we all as professional wrestlers have all been on shows where it only draw drew like seven, eight people. You know what I mean? It's just a disaster. And the promoter comes and says, Hey, you know, lighthouse, everybody, if you still want to work, you can, if not, I don't, you know, I don't mind if you leave, blah, blah, blah. You know, they give that whole speech and you go out there and that's what you have to do. You have to entertain those seven people. You understand? You have to entertain those people and make those people believe what you're doing is, you know, is they're witnessing history and they're only one of seven people there. <laughs> right. So, and that's kind of what, if you're going to do the empty arena stuff, that's what it has to be. It has to be, you know, if it's AJ Styles and Undertaker, when, when AJ Styles is, is, you know, got the Undertaker down, he's kicking his ass. He's got to be talking as much trash as possible. He's got to be telling him how he's phenomenal and he's this and he's that. And, like, he's going to bury him. He's going to put the final nail in the coffin. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. It has to become so personal and so, you know, you have to be able to feel it in your bones, you know, that you're, that you're watching the television screen and you can't look away. You know what I mean? Like, it's so enthralling that you don't realize that there's no one in the arena because you're so dead set on those two guys, right? Very hard to do. <laughs> very hard to do and very hard to do for, you know, eight, nine, ten matches, Right? But still can be done. Still can be done. It just has to be really, really, uh, I don't want to say overproduced, but it has to be really, really raw and real. Now, as time goes on, you know, it's, say, a few weeks, maybe a month. I mean, they're saying, you know, end of April, um, these kind of, like, bans are going to be going on. Do you see it eventually having a negative effect on wrestling, or do you think as time goes on and, we go back to what we know, what we knew was normal and things, you know, this whole dies down. Does wrestling come back? Does it bounce back from this? Or is it taking a little bit of a hit from this? Because maybe now people are seeing a different side of things. Because I think it kind of shows a little bit, I don't know, maybe it exposes a little bit more because the matches just don't look the same. Right. Well, I, and this is one of those things that's, you know, we're going to know, we're going to know, Eventually, we're going to have to answer that question, but it's going to be one of two things. Either one, people realize, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing, right? And it creates like this, you know, this upswing where, hey, I want to get out and I want to see this stuff live again, you know, because I almost, I couldn't do it for, you know, six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was. Or it's going to have one of those situations where everyone is now uh, scared to come out of the house and they just, they, you know, they self-quarantine themselves for the rest of their lives almost. You know what I mean? It's like almost that mentality uh, carries over. And then they, they, they pr practice social distancing way after the, the pandemic's over, right? And then it creates, uh, uh, then it creates a, um, a bottom 
in our business because it's already hard enough right now to get people out of the house to watch anything, you know, because when you, when you, when you stay at home and you've got Netflix and you've got Hulu and you've got Amazon prime and you got the WWE network and you got YouTube and you got, you know, all these different elements of entertainment that you can just sit at home and watch. It's hard for people to get out, get them to put on a pair of jeans, get dressed, you know, and go to professional wrestling. So uh, it, it can happen. I can see it happen in one or uh, either way. You know, I'm hoping that it's the first way. I'm hoping people will realize, hey, we almost could never do this again. You know, and they, they realize they need to support professional wrestling as, as it is. But, like I said, the you know, the downfall could be it could be the other way. And um, I, I hope people – and that's why I'm so upset about it because I really feel that it's been blown way out of proportion. <laughs> And uh, people need to really just do just do some research. I don't take my word for it. You know, go on go on the internet and look at the statistics of flu stats and you know um, you know coronavirus stats, and you can you can see the numbers. The numbers will jump out at you. Well, see, I I agree with you on blowing out of proportion. I work for I work for a grocery chain, and I see it on a daily basis when you know you put you know five hundred you know, packages of, you know, paper product, we you know what we're talking about, and you put that on the shelf, and two hours later, it's gone, even though you've rationed it to, you know, one per customer, because everybody's panicking right now, and there's no need, in my opinion, I don't think there's a need to panic. You need to stock up on a few essentials, you know, maybe you do need to kind of, you know, maybe you don't need to go to the movies Friday night, because somebody could have it. I could see some of it. But the way things are right now and empty arenas and bars are closed, restaurants are takeouts only. I, I think we're, I think we're overreacting a little bit. And for me, and I know a lot of people, you know, at least getting to watch this are, you know, wrestling on TV and still getting lots of pockets. It's still an escape. So I'm with you. I'm hoping that after this all dies off and things kind of go back to normal, that the fans go back out, they go to see the shows and, you know, and I'm hoping for, you know, a positive on that one. Now, from an indie point of view, though, I'd like to get your opinion because we have some listeners that are, you know, in the business. There's a lot of the wrestlers that, you know, I know of that listen to this. What would you suggest now during this downtime is something that these indie guys that are saying, oh, I don't have any work. What would you suggest they do now? Because they've still got social media. A lot of them have ways of selling their merchandise online. What are some suggestions that you might have to kind of, you know, maybe for keep their income a little bit going or just something they can do to kind of improve on, you know, on themselves for when we do go back to normal. Um, yeah, my thing, my thing, I tell them the same thing. I tell anyone that gets injured. Yeah. I mean, every time someone gets injured, they're just like, Oh man, that's it. I'm done for nine months. And then they disappear for nine months and they come back and it's just like almost starting from scratch, you know, like they had to learn, relearn things and do this. You know, my thing is like, hey, still work, still work on something. You know what I mean? Like, if you know, if you broke your orbital bone, you know, you can still cut a promo. You can still, you know, watch um, and learn professional wrestling. And like I said, all those WWE Network and YouTube, you know, you can go on there and just fall down the rabbit hole, as I say. You know, one one night I, you know, I started watching matches and I ended up on, you know, Doctor D. David Schultz. You know, who all, we all know, you know, famously slapped the reporter for calling wrestling fake and, you know, that kind of thing. And 
I found I fell down the rabbit hole and and found some of his matches, and you know I knew he was good, you know, and I I knew I liked him, but I didn't realize how good he was until I fell down that rabbit hole. You know, I started watching and he was on top. He worked on top everywhere. He worked on top in New York. He worked on top in Portland. He worked on top in Tennessee. He worked on top everywhere. You know, and I didn't realize that until I did that. And that's what you have to do. You have to make a you have to make an effort to learn in wrestling. You understand? And like when I first started, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, 2000, you know, late, late 90s, 2000. And like I still had to tape trade to, to, to watch certain wrestling. You understand? And now we have any kind of wrestling you could ever imagine at your fingertips on YouTube. And all guys want to watch is like, you know, um, Botamania. You know what I mean? Like, come on, like actually make an effort to learn your craft. You know, go listen to these podcasts where people are teaching you things. Go listen to Aaron's podcast. Go listen to, you know, Cornette's podcast. You know, go listen to these guys that actually, you know, made millions of dollars in wrestling when making millions of dollars in wrestling means there was an ass every 18 inches, right? So um, I just think the guys need to learn, you know, take this time to actually learn and get better. Obviously, you're not going to be able to apply what you learn right now, but at least you'll have the information and on deck and ready to go for when you can come back. Right, I'm going to pass the mic back over to Glenn because I'm sure we're getting the uh, the evil eye. For, well, it's the timekeepers in the building, you know, social distancing and all that. Yeah, yeah, the timekeeper's over here on a separate computer. He Skyped in, and he's looking at me. He's like, okay, pal. He's pointing to his wrist like he has a watch on or something. I don't know. Well, it's been a, a, a definitely an interesting uh, hour here of wrestling memories then and now. And you know what? Um, all this tragedy that's going on with the coronavirus, the one true tragedy did uh, come over the wire here this morning, the death of Kenny Rogers. Anybody have some comments on the death of Kenny Rogers before we go today? I mean, that guy's put. Let's talk about you know an ass between every eighteen inches or whatever. That man used to pack him in, and he still was packing him in uh, at the very end of his career. But talk about a guy that had some longevity. That was a true veteran. I was actually listening to some Kenny Rogers this morning when I when I heard the news. I actually saw it last night when they posted it on his Facebook page before it got you know, all over the internet, but I was actually listening to Kenny this morning. It was one of those, you know, one of the guys that my mother and my father both listened to. So I listened to him growing up. So, you know, just kind of like in wrestling, you know, you lose a legend, you know, it's, it, it hits a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, same here. I mean, Kenny Rogers was, you know, a legend. And if your grandmother wasn't listening to Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, then I don't know if I even want to know you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, that, they were, um, you know, he obviously you said longevity, just uh, and just a really, you know, even though he, he grew, grew money and packed a bunch of houses, I, I think a lot of people are, you know, he's kind of underrated. You know, a lot of people don't really understand how good of a singer he really was and a songwriter and things like that. So, oh, oh, I agree uh, with you 100%. If anything, if anything I, hope, I hope this will open up the eyes of some people. Maybe they'll go listen to a few Kenny Rogers songs today and maybe, maybe he'll create some new things. Oh my, yeah. I mean, all of us uh, definitely have our uh, stories uh, in our memories of listening to Kenny with uh, either our parents or our grandparents. Heck, I remember digging into my mom's old Kenny Rogers in the first edition records, for God's sake. So this definitely goes yeah. back a few years. You know, I can share a really kind of a funny little story real quick. Uh, this is a few years ago. Um, listening to the radio at work and Power to the County came on. One of my favorites, Coward of the County is a classic. And the girl I was working with goes, oh, my God, that's such a great song. I said, well, yeah, until they, you know, 
have their way with the girl. And then she's like, what? I'm like, listen to the lyrics. So she listened to the song and she was like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah. Kenny Rogers had some great songs, but you had to listen to his lyrics to really hear the story. And that was one of the great things about him is he was a storyteller. But I always thought that she was just so shocked when she actually sat and listened to the words and not just the melody and went, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, it tells one hell of a story. And he was a great storyteller. Most definitely. And, uh, you know, as far as like Kenny Rogers, that classic iconic songs go, a a, a guy, I guess, as far as the Kenny Rogers cover, if you want to listen to it, of the song Lady, a guy that did it... uh, a soulful version of it you might want to check out I don't know if soul's your thing but you want to just check it out just because of the singing on it is Teddy Pendergrass has a live version a few years back that he did uh, back before his accident of Lady that is just absolutely like not quite as good as Kenny but it's right on par with it so I recommend uh, you guys check it out and the listeners at large fun fun fact about the Golden Boy Greg Anthony I pretty much like every song that has uh the word lady in the title <laughs> lady by the little river band and lady by sticks 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 is lady is actually my favorite stick song period so and uh, of course you know uh kenny rogers is lady of course right on and the commodores lady you bring me up when i'm down yep yep that's it too Love them all. Oh, man, we could sit and talk music here, guys. Uh, boy, they, but we definitely got to yeah. get going here. <laughs> hey, we should do yeah, one of these times. Just, yeah, we'll get about 10 minutes of, of wrestling talk, and then we can get into uh, to music, whether it's debating or coming up with our lists of what we dig, because I think that would be just a monster of a conversation. Right. Well, guys, it's time to get out of here for uh, the Golden Blood Greg Anthony and the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy. I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Go listen to some Kenny Rogers. <laughs>